0: What will the Mariners do next and what do we want them to do next? We'll answer that and more coming up here on Mailbag Monday. Colby, hit it. You are Locked On Mariners, your daily Seattle Mariners podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ahoy, sailors. It is Monday, January 22nd, 2024. This is Tiding Azales and Colby Patton for the Locked On Mariners podcast brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. And right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. All you have to do to get started is visit fanduel.com slash locked on. That's L-O-C-K-D-O-N. Thank you so much for making us your first listen. Subscribe, like, and turn on alerts if you're watching on YouTube or subscribe and leave a five-star review on your preferred podcast platform if you like what you hear and if you're part of the crew and rock with us every single day let us know in the comments below we'd love to hear from you and if you want to hear from us even more please consider signing up for our patreon you can now get a free seven-day trial to check out the show the link as well as our social accounts is in the description of this episode this is mailbag monday the show where we answer your mariners questions and we're going to start here with steve who wants to know out of all the new relievers brought in on minor league deals who is the most intriguing to you colby you want to start us off
1: no, but I will. Um, mm. The answer is none of them because, of course, I don't care. Very on brand. But, uh, Very on brand. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Mm. Um, but in all honesty, none of them are are super exciting. Uh, but there are some fun ones, and I think for me, the answer is Crable. Um, pitched uh, pretty well for the Orioles back in 2022, and uh, didn't really get much of a chance in 2023, which is odd because he was again solid uh, in 2022. Uh, Krabel's not going to be flashy. He's not going to be a huge strikeout guy. He's not going to wow you with like Matt Brash stuff or, or Andres Munoz's like velocity, but he does something that seems to be pretty underrated, um, by most front offices, uh, in particular in bullpen arms. He has a strong disdain for allowing hard contact. So he doesn't like, uh, it's very hard to barrel up the baseball against Crabill. It's very hard to hit line drives against him. Uh, and if you do, they're probably going to be softly hit. So uh, when you look at the, the stack cast page, he just doesn't give up hard contact. And that is a valuable uh, asset, particularly if you're coming in to, to start an inning clean. Um, you don't want a guy who wa- is going to walk somebody. You don't want a guy who's going to give up, you know, slug and, and hit the ball hard and, and, you know, just kind of lose it at the beginning. Crabill's not really a guy you want coming in to, you know, clean up a mess from your starter. Uh, but he is a guy who's very capable of coming in, getting you three outs in the sixth inning and against you know six, seven, and eight, and and probably get you some three pretty soft hit ground balls, maybe a strikeout, and, and um, that's just his skill set. It, it, it's something that feels a little underrated in today's game. Everybody wants to strike out, everybody chases a strikeout. I get why, but you know, a strikeout and a softly hit ground ball to the second baseman both result in an out. So. Uh, if I'm just looking for a middle guy, then Crables, uh, the guy that I'm, I'm most interested in, uh, I know a lot of fans are kind of intrigued by the story of, uh, of Butchery, but, uh, it's just, he's hasn't pitched in the majors in so long. It's hard to feel good about counting on him for anything. So it would be a cool story though. It would, it would be an awesome story, but Mm. I, do you want to count on it? No. So specifically with the guys who have been signed to minor league deals. Crable is the one that I'm uh, most interested in.
0: Yeah, I mean, l- let's get this out of the way. It's going to be very hard for any of these guys to make the team out of spring training. So we're really talking about, unless disaster strikes over the next you know couple of months here, we're talking about guys that if they stick with the team might have a chance to impact the team later on in the season. Um, and it, I'm with you. I, I think Crable is the guy that really stands out here. Joey Crable uh, spent the last you know few years with the Baltimore Orioles, had a really good season in 2022, like you mentioned. And like you said, generates a lot of weak contact and, and keeps the ball on the ground. And when you can do that with consistency, you have a place in most major league bullpens, if not every major league bullpen, especially when those two things are working in unison. Um, and a big reason for that is that changeup that changeup is, really good man uh in 2022 he was plus six uh 93rd percentile in off speed run value that's a very good change up and like we've talked about in the past with pitchers and, and the mariners pitching development they typically hyper focus on one or two things that you particularly do well and they have you just do more of that basically so i think that's really the game plan with crable is Try and keep the ball on the ground, try and continue to generate weak contact, and don't try to do too much with your changeup. Just keep throwing it the way that you throw it because it works, right? Uh, I'm not really sure why he didn't get many opportunities this year in Baltimore, uh, this past year in Baltimore. Uh, He only threw five innings, I believe, at the Major League level and about 40-ish down in AAA. Um, again, not really sure what the reason for that was, but when he came up in those five innings, he looked pretty much like the guy he was in 2022 as well. So, uh, if they can get that guy, that's a really nice mid leverage option to have. And the Mariners have a lot of, I'm not sure if I'm ready to call them legitimate options yet, but they have a lot of bodies going into camp. Um, and really only, you know, we talked about this last week, probably three, maybe four spots to give those guys. Uh, in this year's bullpen so they have a lot of uh different guys that they can sift through uh but crable to me is is near the top of that list also throw in mauricio Lavera in there he's not a minor league signing he was a waiver claim um but close enough right uh, and if you're looking for a, a justin topa type a justin topa light sinker slider combo uh really like the slider from Lavera. uh so that's another dark horse there uh potentially to uh to impact the mayor's bullpen at some point in 2024 all right let's move on we got another question here from jamie or Jaime. uh what do you think is a reasonable move from the m's front office in the next couple of weeks conversely what move would you like them to make so what do we think the mariners are going to do what do we want them to do two very different things at least potentially colby what do you think
1: mayor field for both
0: right just to just spite to Mary's spite twitter.
1: mariner yeah. twitter yep yeah, absolutely yeah. Mm-hmm. whit
0: merrifield for both mm-hmm. because
1: he's fine yeah they, uh, they should
0: actually sign whit merrifield to a 25 million dollar contract mm-hmm. clearly that's, that
1: that's the only yeah. yeah that's clearly what people were saying this weekend mm-hmm. yeah. um yeah so what what should they do i think um or what's reasonable for them to do i think adding a kind of a role player bench bat type um mm-hmm who can play, you know, not, not a guy who's going to play once a week. Like I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about like a guy who could legitimately play three, four times a week, uh, adding that guy and, and, you know, give you some value offensively. Um, versatility would be nice, but not necessarily,
0: uh, like what Merrifield.
1: Yeah, yeah. About that. Uh, you add that guy and then you go add kind of like a middle relief type. Uh, I think that's, I think that's a reasonable, there's not a lot of high leverage guys. um, so, like, what I, what would I want them to do? Well, ideally, they would have signed Robert Stevenson and just, you know, built that bullpen out, but
0: they didn't. Too soon. Uh, I'm not ready to talk about that.
1: I mean, Stevenson decided to ruin his career by picking the Angels. That's his business. Yeah,
0: but, yeah. all the great work uh, the Rays did is going mm-hmm. to be undone by that Angels yep. pitching development stuff.
1: Mm-hmm which is weird because they actually have developed some pretty good pitchers, but uh, it doesn't matter. No, no, uh, no, no, no. We we not, cannot give them any credit here.
0: Not no, the no, day no. for facts, yeah. Um, <laughs> but
1: uh, yeah, what I would like them to do is, is find a trade that nobody in major league baseball thinks is possible. Like I want them to go trade for an impact hitter at the cost of prospects only. Yeah. That's not reasonable. At least not with the current market. So that's what I would like them to do.
0: At least not with what we know about the market, right? right know,
1: what I would like them to do is go get, you know, Elisa uh, Elise Luisa rise, combine the the names there. I'd there like to go. them to go get Luisa rise and it only costs them Harry Ford and and you know, yeah, um, Emerson that, Hancock. That'd be sick. Blah blah yeah. blah. Yeah, that'd yeah. be awesome. Not realistic. I would like the Mariners to go get one, but who is he? How much does he cost? And does he fit like Correa Soler an impact bat. Does he fit on this roster? Not at all. So what I would like them to do is find somehow an impact, like a 120 WRC plus or better second or third baseman to hit, you know, third, fourth, or fifth. What's reasonable to ask them to do. Go get a Whit Merrifield, a Mod Rosario, you know, geo or Shella, whatever type go trade for Jonathan India. Uh, and then go and get, you know, uh, uh, Jacob Junis, somebody to pitch in the middle of the the, the bullpen who could also start if you need them to. I think that's reasonable.
0: Yeah, I don't think they're going to go after someone like Junis, especially now after like both yeah, and have Desclafani. Yeah. If they don't trade Desclafani, I, I yeah, I just I think that's probably a hard no on someone like Junis. I I think they're they're probably out on the rest of the reliever group. If I had to guess, like they're probably not, I don't know if uh, maybe out's not the right word, but I don't think that they're going to end up getting any of those guys. Um, once this off season, is all said and done, um, yeah, you know what I want them to do, obviously is, is, you know, go and get yourself a, another, you know, everyday player. That'd be great. But like you said, who, who is that guy? How do you get him? And I don't really see the path there. Um, yeah, you know, I'll take what you said a one step a little further um, with the the bench bat. How about a guy that can play all three outfield spots legitimately well, like Michael A. Taylor?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I think that could really help the Mariners right now, especially if, you know, it looks like they're going to be running Mitch Haniger out there a lot. So, yeah. Uh, and I don't know if I necessarily want my late-game outfield defensive replacements to be Dillon Moore, Or Whit Merrifield, or Sam Haggerty. I don't don't know if I really want that being the case there uh, late in games. So yeah, if you can get like a legitimate defensive outfielder that can play all three spots, can give you know Julio a blow when whenever he's you know just DHing or you know needs a day off entirely. uh, I think Taylor's a great fit uh, for the for the Mariners roster before uh, we kick things into high gear. Uh, What do I think they're going to end up doing? Probably like Whit Merrifield you know, Tim Anderson, someone like that. I could also see them just going into spring training with things as is, which we'll talk about that a little bit later on. But uh, first, a reminder, this episode of the Lockdown Errors Podcast is brought to you by eBay Motors. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. And with over 122 million parts to choose from, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. With eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into an MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Again, that is ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply, eBay guaranteed fit, only available to U.S. customers. And you're listening to the Locked On Marist podcast. Thank you again for making us your first listen. And as a reminder, Locked On has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today is here for you 24-7, covering the top sports stories of the day with the local experts of Locked On, plus our national shows covering every league. Go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And this is Mailbag Monday. We're answering some of your Mariners' questions. Dean wants to know what would a reasonable expectation be for Haniger in terms of plate appearances and production for this season. Like Nothing. I mean, yeah, that.
1: But What's reasonable? Nothing.
0: Yeah, yeah, you should go into the year, of, you know, like exactly. not banking on anything from from Hanniger, given mm-hmm. his his extensive injury history. Uh but let's assume that he's healthy for a good portion of the season and you can determine what a good portion is mm. 235 310 430 ish over 400 plate appearances that's not about right
1: yeah. um, so here's the deal with uh, with Haniger: is that he still hits the ball really hard like when he's healthy or when he was healthy in 2022 and last year in San Francisco, which granted was only for like 90 games combined. Wasn't even he still bad. hit the ball hard. He, he's like, he's still a, a capable major league hitter. Like, mm-hmm. this isn't a guy who's so broken down that he can't even, this isn't Tommy La Stella, right? Like so broken down. He doesn't even just have any bat speed left or anything like that. Hanager's got bat speed. He can still generate power. Um So as long as he plays, I think he's going to be, You know, an above average bat. I don't know if that's 120 or 110, but I think it's going to be somewhere in that range for as many plate appearances as you can get from him. Uh, So you got to manage him uh, pretty seriously. You have to be careful not to overwork him, uh, both in the field and at DH. He's going to have to just get pure days off. Like you have to do that for him. Um, So I, I think, you know, if you get 300 plate appearances from him and he's a 110 WRC plus bat, that wouldn't surprise me. Uh, at all and i think anything you get over that is a pretty significant bonus so yeah um i think you know Haniger being basically at least as good as teoscar hernandez was last year just in fewer plate appearances is, is probably reasonable
0: yeah i think it's probably um you know 105 to 115 wrc plus which is you know large gap there but um 20 ish home runs again it all depends you know especially with the counting stats it all depends on how much he plays um, I mean,
1: can he beat Jared Kelnick last year? Yeah. Like, yeah, probably.
0: Yeah. A little bit more consistent, preferably, but yeah. Maybe not. <laughs> Maybe not. It yeah. might just be mm-hmm. one boom month and then a lot of... Ugh. Well, I we'll mean, see a
1: lot of IL stints, but... Yeah.
0: yeah, a lot of IL stints and meh, you know, as he tries to work his way back. Um, Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, I, I think, though, you know, <laughs> the best way to look at it is just don't bank on getting anything out of him and then whatever Mm -hmm. you get from him is a bonus and a great bonus why
1: which is why the max keplers and the michael a taylors and the eddie rosarios and yeah you know the jesus sanchez why all those guys still make sense even though the outfield looks crowded right now
0: yeah so while we love mitch we're very happy that mitch is back there is Mm -hmm. an unavoidable reality that we have to you know address here so and that is uh, mitch just can't stay on the field whether it's his fault or not and most of the time it hasn't been but yeah just the the way that it's been unfortunately for mitch you're listening to the locked on mirrors podcast thank you again for making us your first listen here on mailbag monday we got a couple more questions to answer from you guys we got this one from max oh boy colby we got to talk about whit merrifield again why are people saying do. we already have a, a white Merrifield? Not Whit Merrifield, a white Merrifield, as, as Max wrote here. I don't remember Demo or Haggerty hitting over 275 with a K rate less than 20%. Question mark, exclamation point. You can have better options on the bench. I mean, even if you remove the word better from your last sentence, it's still a valid point. Just have mm-hmm. options. Have bodies. It's it's okay to have a little too much on the back end of your roster.
1: I have no comment on this. Right? Yeah. Do you want the good? Do you want the solid player on the Mariners or not? Yes. Okay. Cool. No. What's wrong with you? And by the way, Haggerty has options left. You don't lose Sam Haggerty by signing Whit Merrifield. By the way, you know who else has options left? Surprisingly, Dylan Moore. Oh, by the way, you know who else has options left? Again, surprisingly, Josh Rojas. Oh, you know yeah. who else has options left? Surprisingly, Luis, Luis Urias. Urias. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't have to pick one of these guys or the other. You can have them yeah, all. Yeah. It's, it's
0: it's not a one or the other situation. Look, I get Jesus. it. If 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 Whip Merrifield is going to command ten million dollars, then yes, we can have a conversation about that about whether or mm-hmm. not that's the best use of the Mariners' limited resources. I don't think that he's going to make $10 million, but also I'm incredibly confused by this market. I don't think anyone can make any definitive statement about what a player is going to make because Isaiah Connor falefa got $7.5 oh. oh. million dollars per season. So yeah. um, He's not a better player than Whitmer. But but the other thing too here on that, right? Because I see a lot of people there are like, why would the Mariners spend $10 million on Whitmerfield? We have seen on multiple occasions over the last few off seasons, the Mariners look at the end of the market and look at players that, you know, they could beef up their the back end of their bench. They could be a slight upgrade over, you know, the Sam Haggerty's of the world, or, you know, a couple of years back, like the shed Shedlong's of the world, et cetera, and go, yeah, that's great, but is that actually worth $6 million, $7 million when this guy, this quad A player that we have, that we think might be able to produce similar, similarly is making the league minimum we'll just go with that guy why would that suddenly change in an offseason in which they have been arguably the most financially restricted they've ever been like why why are we throwing all logic out of the window with that when we have evidence that suggests that the Mariners would not like the Mariners have done everything to prove that they're not going to throw out a good chunk of their remaining budget on someone like mm-hmm. Whit Merrifield. So if they sign Whit Merrifield, it's probably going to be for 4 or $5 million. And who knows mm-hmm. if that's actually what he's going to end up commanding or not. But if Whit Merrifield is a Mariner, I feel pretty good that it's at like half of what you guys think. What a lot of people think he's right. going to sign for. Right.
1: I I think when I look at what this bench like Look, I, I don't want to turn this into like a, a Merrifield versus Moore and Haggerty thing because Moore and Haggerty are useful players. Yeah, like Dylan Moore. As much as it pains me to watch him uh, swing the bat, he brings defensive versatility. He steals bags. He hits for power. He crushes lefties. And yeah, he strikes out, but he walks a ton too. Dylan Moore can help you. Sam Haggerty can help you. This, yeah. And at, so
0: outside of like their overall offensive profile, like Dylan Moore is. Pretty much the same player that Whit Merrifield is in terms of base running value defense and mm-hmm. versatility etc right? right I mean Moore's and there's a non-zero a- chance that both of those guys or at least one of those guys is better than a 35 year old Whit Merrifield in 2024
1: maybe but you know what's good about Whit Merrifield is that he's still a solid you know usable player when at 35 years old he's being asked to play 160 games you know what happens if you ask Sam Haggerty to play 160 games? you lose straight up. Sam Haggerty is, is not a two win player. If you ask him to play 160 games, he's not Sam Haggerty gets the benefit of having his matchups handpicked. He gets to face the pitchers. He has the best chance to hit 90% of the time because that's the type of player he is. Whit Merrifield is a guy that you can use every day. You don't want to, and you don't have to, and that's kind of the beauty of, of Whit Merrifield idea that nobody's talking about. Not only is Whit Merrifield available every, he's played in 85% of the, his team's games or more every year oh. since his, you know, his first full season, which hmm. does this team have some issues with reliability on the roster? Oh, wow. Look at that. They do. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So not only that, but if you ask Merrifield to do less, can he produce more? In theory, yes, like Merrifield is fine. And I keep saying this over and over again. Merrifield is fine. The idea of what Merrifield is fine. The idea of Ahmad Rosario is fine. The idea of Tim Anderson is fine all at the right price. That's what we're talking about here. The idea of Eddie Rosario is fine. Like these players who nobody cares about that. They just kind of float around in the back end and you look up at the end of the year and like, oh, they're a one and a half, two one player. Those players have value, even on a roster like the Mariners. Players like that help
0: you go they help far. You win the
1: World Series.
0: Yeah, the Atlanta yeah.
1: Braves don't win their World Series without Eddie Rosario,
0: Eddie Rosario, God. Adam Duvall, Jorge right. Soler.
1: These are just, and at the time, those are all just 100 back end, like 100 WRC plus. Can't really play defense. Yeah. Like they're fine. And they, what do they, what do those guys do when they, you combine them and you use them properly? They replace Ronald Acuna Jr. and help
0: you win a World Series. I'm equally annoyed by the people that are like, Why don't you want an all star player? As I am yeah. by the people that are oh, like, yeah. But Merrifield's useless and he's worse uh, than Sam Yeah, no. Don't get me look, wrong. Join ground, us in the middle ground here, people. Middle ground, folks. Middle ground, folks. Yep. Not everything needs a, a massive reaction in one direction no. or the other. So, uh, Merrifield, though, that set, you know, the all star thing said. He was an all star caliber player for the first first four months of the season. He was hitting like three zero three for the first four months mm-hmm. of the season. He had like a one eighteen w r c plus can't remember off the top of my head. He was an above average offensive producer for most of twenty twenty three The problem is last two months of the season he was garbage like just flat out garbage like forty four w r c plus something like that and thus when you look at his overall numbers, he finished like a ninety three w r c plus something like that now. He's a little bit of the anti depoto offensive profile in that he doesn't hit the ball hard at all. Literally second percentile in hard hit rate, third percentile in barrel percentage, all that. Get that. Mm-hmm. But he does put up consistently high averages. Mm-hmm. He makes things happen when, when he gets on the base pass. Uh, he's a versatile defender. He can still give you, even though he doesn't hit the ball hard, he can still give you like 10-ish home runs. On a there are a lot of things that Whit Merrifield still does to this day very well. And I think if, you know, like you mentioned, if you limit his playing time, because I think there's at least some of that, and, you know, we don't know the full context, even though that I live in Toronto, I'm not watching every single Blue Jays game, so I don't know what exactly happened with Merrifield last year, but, like, when you look at the numbers, and you, know, you look at just kind of what happened to him over the course of this past season, there is some strong evidence that, yeah, the a 34-year-old playing every single day, especially with what he is specifically asked to do and playing multiple positions and adding value mm-hmm. on the base pass, stuff like that, that, that caught up to him in the later stages of the season. So yep. can you maximize what Merrifield's value by playing him 90 games out of a season or 100 games out of a season rather than 130, Probably. 140, 150? Can you get more of that first half of 2023 with Merrifield by doing that? I think the answer is yes. Yeah, They've
1: already proven they can because, again, Dylan Moore and, and Sam Haggerty are useful major leaguers, like good major leaguers. Why? Uh, Not because they're playing, you know, getting 600 plate appearances. It's because the Mariners pick and choose when they use them and they give them the best chance to succeed and both have been above average pretty much their entire Mariner, Mariners tenure. So, yeah, could Merrifield do the same? Yes. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, just like, don't. Don't dismiss Whit Merrifield and don't don't be the like, oh, he's an all-star last year. You don't like an all-star like, yeah, so is Daniel Vogelbach in 2019. He cares. That's not a thing. Okay. Adam Frazier was an all-star. Like, it, it's just it's not a thing, guys. So just no. find just find reason. Meet us in the middle here on Reasonable Island. Okay. There's room for everybody. <laughs> reasonable just, island yeah, yeah, yeah. Just jump off your sinking ship. They're both sinking to just swim to the middle ground. It's gonna be okay. Good lord. Let's get to this last question because it's a it's yeah. also something I want to say something about.
0: All right. Nick wants to know is it better to push the payroll closer to the budget limit in April or wait until the deadline to reach the end season max? Which this is uh, you know, what I was talking about, you know, 20-ish minutes ago. I think there's still they still have enough flexibility here to find a middle ground. <laughs> Speaking of middle ground. Um, where I think they can still spend like eight to nine ish million dollars and be more than fine for whatever they would need to do at the deadline. But also folks, this is assuming that you're competitive enough at the deadline. You need to build a roster that is competitive, uh, competitive enough to make you a buyer at the deadline. And if you don't feel that your roster is at that spot, maybe they do. Right. But if you don't, if they don't feel that their roster is at that spot, and there are a lot of people out there that don't feel that they're at that spot, then spend the money now it's more important that you are competitive now than hypothetically competitive in july and august so
1: yeah um saving money for the deadline is not a thing it doesn't exist not the way that these guys oh we'll just save it all put in your back pocket what player gets traded at the deadline that's going to cost you 19 million dollars in payroll that would mean that they would have a, a, a starting salary this year of like $40, $40 million. Oh, you're going to go trade for Max Scherzer? No, you're not. You don't need all that money at the deadline. But also saving money for the deadline isn't a thing because you can put it in your back pocket and then, uh-oh, Julio goes down. Well, we can't really fix that. Uh-oh, Castillo goes to the IL. And all of a sudden, we're a 38-52 and you know 52 team at the deadline or whatever the record is. you know. And like, oh, well, now we have all this money. Well, it doesn't make any sense to buy. We're going to go sell.
0: Yeah. Now we're going to go trade Mitch Carver. <laughs> right. Know. It
1: doesn't make sense. You get, there's no, there is no valid argument to go into the season with like, Oh, well, we'll just keep all 20 million or like 15 million in our back pocket just in case doesn't exist. That's stupid. You hmm. want to keep two or 3 million just in case, fine, whatever, but all of it like, Oh, I'm not going to sign Whit Merrifield because I want that $6 million he's going to get at the deadline. That's stupid because you have to get to the deadline in contention for it to mean anything like legitimate contention, not, Oh, they're four games back with three games with three teams to pass. of this third wild card, that's not legitimate contention. Okay. And secondly, side note, name a contract that Jerry DePoto has not been able to trade to free up salary when he needs it. Don't take too long. Doesn't exist. Does not. He traded Robbie freaking Ray.
0: Robbie Ray, Robinson Cano, a lot of Robbies. Chris Flexen. Chris Flexen. He got somebody got to get contract. Chris
1: Flex. all of Chris Flexen's money. Yeah. He got somebody to take it. If Jerry needs money in July to go get some, he will find it.
0: Yeah. There is but also, no question about that. But but also, if it's strictly just 2024 payroll that we're talking about here. You know, I did talk about the middle ground, but you might not even need like $9 million by the deadline because all of these, you know, numbers are going to be prorated by that point, right? Like yeah. you're, you're only paying g-
1: forty forty percent of what yeah. the at whatever that player's salary is.
0: So even if you do ha- add a relatively higher salary player at the deadline, mm-hmm. you that still only might be like three four million dollars.
1: Yep. Yep. It makes no sense to save money for the deadline. None.
0: Not all of it. Thank you so much for joining us here on the Lockdown Mariners podcast. For Colby Padnode, I'm Tiding Gonzalez. Be sure to give us a follow on Twitter at lo underscore Mariners. You can follow me at Tiding Gonzalez and Colby at cpad11. That's cpat11. You can also find all that stuff in the description of this episode. Thank you again for making us your first listen, and thank you all for all of your questions. Have yourself a beautiful baseball day, and we'll see you next time. Peace.